Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Oh, gee. Make some noise! In this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we talk to Barstool Sports President Dave Portnoy, who goes over his rough and rowdy acquisition. He has a show coming up uh, this April 13th with Bill Burr on uh, commentating. He'll talk about where he sees the promotion going and uh, his uh, an update on his beef with Michael Rappaport. We also talk to CBS Sports Brian Campbell. He's nice enough to call us from WrestleMania. We'll get his thoughts on the Canelo Triple G saga, some upcoming fights, and his thoughts on Lauer versus Hurd. We'll break down that fight. We have a new segment called Tough Takes, where we bounce off the most ridiculous takes we can come up with. Plus, and in case you missed it, Inside Boxing Live, coming up next. Another edition of Inside Boxing Live is here. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. In this episode, man, we have a good one for you. Very fun episode here. We're going to talk to uh, Barstool founder, El Presidente, Dave Portnoy. He'll join the show to talk about Rough and Rowdy, his uh, boxing promotion that kicks up again uh, this Friday uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. He has Bill Burr, uh, the famous comedian, will be uh, commentating along with uh, Big Cat and Dave. You don't want to miss an interview with Dave Portnoy. Uh, he talks about the, the, the growth of uh, Rough and Rowdy, where he wants to take it, where he can't take it. Uh, some more celebrity beefs with uh, Michael Rappaport. Really, really good interview uh, with Dave Portnoy uh, coming up next. We also talked to CBS Sports' Brian Campbell. He calls us from WrestleMania. Uh, we have one WrestleMania question, but the rest is all boxing because we had a lot of news. So we'll talk to uh, uh, Brian Campbell and uh, Dave Portnoy. We have a new segment for you, uh, Toughest Takes or Tough Takes where uh, me and my producer, uh, Nick Canobio, we just bounce some uh, ridiculous takes off each other. Uh, in case you missed it, all that and more. If you want to get involved, uh, use the hashtag, uh, what's the name of the show? Inside Boxing Live. That's the name of the show. Uh, you can talk to us on, on Twitter and, of course, on iTunes. Throw us a uh, five-star rating and leave us a review. All that good stuff. But uh, a lot going on uh, in the world of boxing. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, uh, you uh, will have to learn about the fact that Triple G Canelo fight is off, of course, because of Canelo's uh, tainted meat, uh, failing two drug tests. Uh, they were originally planned for a uh, mid-April uh, hearing where the uh, Vegas commission was going to weigh in on uh, whether or not they were going to allow the fight to go forward. But uh, Canelo Alvarez took it into his own hands and kind of made a, a, a nice gesture here, if you can say that, uh, to pull himself out of the fight for May 5th. And uh, we can talk about what's next for Canelo. We can talk about his legacy and uh, what this means for the brand that is Canelo Alvarez. We'll get our thoughts from Brian Campbell uh, on that coming up next. But everything moves now to what's next for Canelo uh, for Triple G. He is a fighter that's not going to be suspended. He's a fighter that has to or wants to fight on May 5th. And the last that we've read is that he's very uh, he wants to stick to that date. He wants to fight on May 5th. Uh, Spike O'Sullivan was a name you've been hearing, and it's a name that's been going back and forth. Uh, you know, last I heard is that um, Triple G's promoters don't want to give Golden Boy a payday, uh, with Spike O'Sullivan being a Golden Boy uh, boxer. But well, that situation remains very fluid here. Uh, Triple G wants to fight on May 5th. 
and uh, we'll want to see what's going on with that. But on Saturday night, we did see some boxing in the ring for Showtime. Uh, Arizona Lee Lauer taking on Jared Hurd and what's a fringe uh, fight of the year candidate. Man, what an absolutely great fight uh, between these two. And uh, Jared Hurd is uh, emerging as a superstar here in the 154-pound division. He's like Oscar Valdez to me. He's a fantastic uh, TV fighter, lots of brawls. The thing with, with Jared Hurd is he's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time because he does no defense. He uses his face as defense, but he smothered Arizona Lara. You know, the first half of the fight, very competitive. Heard pressing the action, cutting off the ring. He was landing that laser left hand, uh, Lara, and that was keeping him in the fight. But then I think it was the, the ninth round where Heard threw like over 100 punches and kind of took control of the fight, knocked him down in the 12th. And right now, we want to see right now is we want to see a Jared Heard versus Jamel Charlo at 154. It sets up a huge fight uh, for Showtime. So great action uh, in the ring. Uh, on Saturday night, quick stat here: 217 punches landed on Lara. That's the most uh, in 20 fights tracked uh, by Compact. The most landed on uh, Lara. So you saw Jared Hurd bring the fight towards Landy Lara. So uh, that was a great action on Saturday night. We're picking up more action here as the the 2018 rolls on. We got big shows coming up at the Barclays Center, and we'll see what happens in May with this whole saga with Canelo and Triple G. But a big show here inside boxing live. We got Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports, Brian Campbell of CBS Sports, a new segment we're going to introduce, and in case you missed it, it's all coming up next here on Inside Boxing Live. All right, before we get to Dave Portnoy, I want to tell you about Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar located in the heart of Manhattan. Jack Doyle's is the perfect place to check out the big game, uh, the big fight. Uh, check out Jack Doyle's located on 35th and 7th Avenue. They have uh, two floors. They have drink specials, uh, a great staff. Uh, tell them the Inside Boxing Live crew uh, sent you there. With that, we're going to bring in uh, El Presidente, uh, Dave Portnoy. Uh, Dave, thank you for joining us once again here on Inside Boxing Live. Ah, glad to be here. So uh, we got the Rough and Rowdy three uh, coming up. Uh, we saw the last one over in February in Morgantown. It was an, it was a uh, great night. I ordered the the pay per view. Was thoroughly entertained. Uh, so April thirteenth, we kick back off this time in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. What made you the pick a new state? You see that you're leaving uh, the the wonderful and wild state of West Virginia. Yeah. So I mean, the goal with Rough and Rowdy is to get in as many states as uh, possible. That was always kind of what we wanted to do. So uh, boxing is, you know, state to state on what places allow it. So North Carolina allows it. It's a place we want to go. We want to go to a lot of places, though. So it's not just specific to a North Carolina, West Virginia. We're trying to go, you know, wherever they'll let us is where we want to go next, basically. Could we one day see this move up the East Coast? Or can we see it in New York? I know they have a very tough commission. I was at the UFC event on uh, on Saturday night, and we all saw what happened with uh, the weight cutting and uh, the injuries and stuff. Would you want to see this one day in New York? Yeah, I'd love to, but you kind of nailed it. It's uh, They are a tough commission, so I wouldn't say that's one that's going to fall anytime soon. The UFC themselves had a hard time getting there, and then uh, they're certainly not making it easier right now for new new places to get there based on all the antics that went on this weekend. Yeah, what do you make of all this with McGregor? Uh, we touched on it last time he came on, and he really is like a promoter's dream in a way, but it seems like he's becoming like a huge headache uh, for Dana White. And do you believe it was staged? I know there was a lot of discussion about that. What do you make of this whole McGregor nonsense? thousand million percent, I think part of it was staged. Whether it got a little bit out of control, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't watch this past fight. I know a bunch of the guys, I think they said three fighters had to withdraw. Yeah. But I look at it this way. I, I do think... I know he had his inside team there that let him in. I don't think you get that close to the bus and down into the bowels of the Barclays Center unless people are letting you do that. Um, and 
this is setting up. I mean, Conor McGregor had nobody to fight UFC that could get him the money he wanted to fight. Well, now he does because whenever he fights uh, the guy who's trying to go after, Khabib. that's going to be like, yeah, that's going to be the biggest fight in the history of the UFC. Yeah. So uh, it's a promoter's thing. I mean, Dana White is in, is doing what he should do. Be like, oh, I don't know. He's got a kid in that press conference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's doing his Vince McMahon. This is setting up for the mega fight, which they couldn't have had unless all of this went down. So, uh, you know, what they lose? I don't know how many pay-per-views they lost because they didn't have those three fights that had to be changed or whatever. My guess is almost nothing. Yeah. Like if people were buying that fight, they're going to buy it anyways. But the amount that they'll gain whenever this fight takes place and it's a thousand percent taking place, um, it's going to be a blockbuster. So how much of it was planned? How much like did they think he was going to throw the dolly through the window <laughs> and things of that nature? Maybe not, but this is this is a wet dream for Dana White. Like him putting on this act like he's not happy, doesn't know. This is perfect. Uh, so I, I refuse to believe that there isn't a part of this that wasn't staged. It was funny because Dana White said, uh, you know, this is the most despicable thing that ever happened in the history of UFC. But, you know, check out my embedded video with the Conor McGregor thumbnail and then of him throwing the dolly through the through the window. So, yeah, I, I understand that, you know, there's some element. This is a promotion. Uh, you are now a promoter. Uh, this is now your third event. Starting to get your sea legs as a promoter. What do you like about promoting, and uh, what are you? What are some things you find like really challenging about it? Uh, you know, we're 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 at the stage where we don't have like the personalities of McGregor. I mean, we have to get people to buy the fights. The fights, the entertainment for what we do generally speaks for themselves, and we're doing it a little bit of a different angle because we're not trying to say this is pure boxing, obviously, and it's half comedy, half chaos. Uh, so like Bill Burr who's you know one of the top comedians in the world really he's going to be calling this fight with myself and big cat so it's a little bit of a different angle um i thoroughly enjoy it it's why i bought rough and rowdy to begin with because i'm a boxing fan and i thought this was just entertaining and funny all at once so it, i don't feel the pressure yet to promote and you know probably the pressure will rise if the pay-per-view numbers aren't there and it's, i'm the one who said buy this company because i think there's something that we can sell uh so far the numbers have been better than what we expected and hopefully they'll continue to rise with rough around e3 so there's no pressure as long as people are buying the fights and liking what they see so that's where we've been so far uh and it hasn't have to be like some crazy promotion to try to get people to purchase it and it's not a, i mean it is a little more expensive this time we bumped it to 15.99 so that's probably where and it's 15.99 before the day of the fight, 19.99 the day of the fight. It, that's probably the landing price. I don't think it'll ever get more expensive than that. So as long as it continues to work, the pressure won't be there that much. Yeah, was, that was my next question. Was going to be? I noticed that the prices have been going up. I mean, entertainment-wise, you know, entertainment's going up. So I see like the prices are going up. You know, you got Bill Burr. Like you talk about, how did Bill Burr get involved with this? I know he mentioned it on his podcast. Next thing you know, like it seemed like the next day he was on board. Yeah, so Bill Burr mentioned it out of the blue. He he had a rant on his podcast, and he's basically like, I wish I thought of Rough and Rowdy. Like, <laughs> someone's going to make this a billion-dollar company. It's just guys knocking each other out, and I love it. And, you know, we heard the and, – and I've been on Bill Burr's podcast before, so we do have an existing relationship. Um, but he just mentioned it out of the blue. We had no idea he was going to say anything. So once I saw that, I reached out. I was like, hey, Bill, uh, you – any interest in basically calling the fights with us and we're able to make a deal happen pretty quick. So we're excited. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether that affects the pay-per-view numbers. Obviously we think it will. We think, you know, Bill Burr fans, and there's lots of them, you're basically getting a four hour monologue 
Bill Burr. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. there's different reasons to buy the fight. And that definitely is reflected in the price point a little bit. We've been tinkering with it. But I think this is about, you know, this is about right. This is this is what it will pretty much cost, I think, moving forward. Yeah, now you got you in the uh, calling the fights and, and Big Cat and Big and Bill Burr. That's that's a lot of comedy. Uh, take us back to the last event before we talk about the the main event coming up. Uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, a place that I know uh, very much. I went to school there. Uh, Wild Night, uh, Smitty versus the Twenty Dollars Chef. We ran the numbers at CompuBox. Uh, Smitty had the three punch edge, which ultimately was the the difference and the knockdown on, on top of it. But all in all, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. The the ring girl competition. I mean, the girl that flipped over and she kicked the guy in the face, and she goes in for the kiss. Like, are we going to be see more of the ring curl, like the out of the ring theatrics? And uh, talk a little bit about that night in Morgantown. Yeah, well, I mean, those are things that you can't plan. That somehow Rough and Rowdy has always seemed to deliver. I mean, that ring girl uh, display was maybe the most barstool one minute like clip in the history it was of good. barstool i mean it was there was she packed more action into that that one trip around the ring than i've ever seen she was you know doing flips humping the ropes kissing did her hair fall out too yeah her weave fell out wow. i mean it was that's a trifecta to, yeah it was something to behold she kicked that guy in the face and tried to make out with him i mean that was something and that's rough and rowdy you never know what the highlights will be um so you just never know. And then the Smitty uh, $20 Chef fight was very exciting. Our two main events have been wildly dramatic in the sense that there's been knockdowns and cleat punches and, you know, big swings in the fight. So uh, it lived up to the hype. I thought that was a good fight. I thought it could have gone either way on the decision. The copy box numbers obviously uh, said that they picked the right guy. Yeah. But I thought it was a very close fight. Um, so overall, Rough Rowdy 2 you know, it was a great event, and we're seeing it because people are buying who have bought Rough and Rowdy 1 all bought Rough and Rowdy 2, and then we grew it, and hopefully all the people who bought 1 and 2 will buy 3, and then we continue to find new new audience, hopefully. So this fight coming up, you've got no, no bloggers, no one from the office, but you have this guy, Thrill Rod, who is a walking, talking promo. I mean, yeah. if you haven't seen this guy do a cut a promo, you have to watch. It's like an art form. This dude is on point. I, what I want to wonder is, is, is he doing all in one take? But that's a question for another day. But you got Thrill Ride going up against the Bavarian Hercules. This is a classic uh, USA-Germany matchup. Uh, what can you tell us about this uh, main event here, Rough and Rowdy 4? Yeah, so, I mean, it's like straight out of Rocky 4. We just changed, uh, you know, Russia with Germany. Um, Thrill Ride, we've been fans of and had a relationship with forever. I don't know how he's not a professional wrestler because he was a wrestler um, and he never got to the WWE. I don't know how because he's electric factory on the mic. And, uh, you know, but this is different. He's never been in a real fight. He's only wrestled and he's older than the Bavarian Hercules, who is huge, by the way. They're both the same height, but they're both jacked. So it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, the German doesn't talk much, which isn't great for promoting a fight, but Thrill Ride more than makes up for it. <laughs> yes, he does. I will be rooting very hard for Thrill Ride. I hope he kills him, but I think he could be in a little bit of trouble. But again, there's guys who just have never fought, so you don't really know what to expect, and that's part of the beauty of this thing. It's just there, there is no way to know what's going to happen in this fight. I probably will be rooting for Thrill Ride harder than I've ridden rooted for anybody in the previous fights because i don't like the german and i do like thrill ride so we'll see what happens that's interesting because you're gonna be calling the fight i'm gonna say i don't remember jim lampley actively rooting for a fighter to win 
Yeah, there's a lot of things that we do a little different, I would say, <laughs> than traditional boxing. But yes, I will be actively rooting for the thrill ride, and you will hear it in the telecast. Uh, you say you're a big boxing fan. I noticed that you were at the Wilder Ortiz fight. Uh, you had really, yeah. you had really good seats. You were like three rows behind Denzel Washington. Uh, oh yeah, awesome yeah, fight. And was that probably the biggest fight you ever been to, besides Mayweather McGregor? Uh, my dad used to have a box a, a, a box of dangerous Dana Rosenblatt who fought Vinny Pezienza in oh, Atlantic wow. City. Yeah, I went to that. I, yeah, but I wouldn't say that lived up to uh, what Wilder. What do you mean? Your dad was uh, your dad's a lawyer, obviously, but he represented yeah, he him? was the attorney for him. He was like a, a bunch of guys like had him. This was uh, when I was in high school. So uh, it was that was exciting. That was my first professional fight that I ever went to. Right. Um, I mean, McGregor Mayweather obviously was bigger than the Wilder fight, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, that that was an excellent fight. I mean, that it looked like Wilder was dead about five times. It started off slow. I mean, there wasn't much action in the first five rounds or so, but it was from then on. I mean, that was an incredible moment, incredible knockout, incredible fight all the way around. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, any of your fighters uh, been eating any tainted meat? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, but. but Go yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say about uh, Smitty, uh, there was like a thing where Rappaport, we'll get to him in a second, Rappaport saying, uh, your boy Smitty's on steroids, and like the funniest part is that Smitty comes out and goes, yeah, I was on steroids. Like, what, yeah, what he other? had Winsol or whatever. Uh, we have now at lot. we don't want people doing steroids, but prior to that, uh, it, it was it was something that was well known that we weren't testing. So I don't know. I don't know what Rappaport's problem. He's just a crazy person. I mean, Rappaport. I know. I mean, this dude is a legitimate off, crazy person. Off like the an rails. insane asylum person. I met him at the Mayweather McGregor weigh-in and he was cool. And I thought he was, you know, I've been a fan of his and then really has completely gone off the rails. Uh, I know you guys have your beef, which is very, uh, is out there in the, in the media. And, but, uh, we asked you last time you were on the show, and you said, if I ever step into the ring, uh, this promotion, this purchase has gone completely sideways, I think is what you said. And now Rappaport is challenging you to a fight. He had the million-dollar check. Who knows if it was real? But would you ever get into the ring with uh, with Michael Rappaport? Here's 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 what happened on that, and there's two components. And I'm not exaggerating. If, if I threw a punch, my shoulders would dislocate. Having said that, Rappaport was such a loudmouth about this, challenging me. And my fight wasn't even... You know, he's a coward, Rapport, first of all, because his if you follow the whole dispute, he had like he and I weren't in a fight. It, I had nothing to do with that. He hates Smitty and they got in a fight. So theoretically, if he was really mad, he should have been challenging Smitty. But right. he's a coward because Smitty's actually his size and would destroy him. Yeah. Like I think Rap, Rapport's probably like six four. He's I'm tall guy. Five. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 5'10". So he challenges the guy that's half his size. That's fine. Um, I can't throw punches. My shoulder would dislocate. Having said all that, he was such a loud mouth. I texted him. I said, listen, you want to fight? I'll fight you. Um, he's, he said, oh, talk to my lawyers. Do this. We drew up a contract. I had it signed. This is lawyers. Sent it to him, his lawyers. We had a bank account with $250,000 in it. I put my own money in it. I said, Mike, send the money. Put it in. Sign the contract. We'll fight at Rough and Rowdy three. Me versus you. Winner take all for the two hundred fifty grand. He ignored it. His lawyers wrote back. Hey, why is your guy challenging Mike Rappaport to a fight? Uh, because he won't <laughs> shut up about wanting to fight me. So he had the opportunity. He totally ignored it. Um, that opportunity has passed. I'm sure, knowing Mike Rappaport, the loudmouth, fake coward he is, he will once again 
reignite. Hey, Dave's a coward. He won't fight me. Why won't you put your money where your mouth is? The rules have now changed. The rules of engagement have changed. I offered to fight him. We both would have had a month to get ready ready for the fight. Keep in mind, he's 6'4", like probably 230 on 5'10", like 190, and I was willing to fight him. If he wants to fight me now because he's a coward, he's going to have to fight Smitty first. He's going to have to do a two- Two fight contract. Fight oh, Smitty first, okay, yeah. then you'll then I'll fight you after. Because I I couldn't have made it easier for him to fight me. I really couldn't have. I laid it all out there, and he just wouldn't do it. Wow, this is this is uh, this is big stuff here. So we can see that maybe rough and rowdy five. If uh, if maybe I don't think he'll never get in the ring with Smitty because Smitty will kill him. Smitty and will by take the way, I don't off. want to fight. So it's like his thing. My guess is he if he wants to fight me, maybe he wants to get in shape. But it's like, well, dude, you're you're literally twice the size I am. So it's like it would have been at least as close to fair as it would have been if we each just said, all right, we have a month and we're fighting in this one Friday. But like I said, he uh, he just ignored it. Not only did he ignore it, his lawyers are like, we don't understand why your guy's challenging my guy. I didn't challenge him. I don't want to fight your idiot. One shut up about it. Yeah, now once the lawyers get involved, then now we're getting into a hairy situation. But do you think one day we can, they can have like a celebrity element to Rough and Rowdy? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, that's going to be a major part of what we do moving forward is finding the fights. Like, who wants to fight? You know, as long as the pay-per-view money is there and people continue to buy, we're more than happy to make it worth people's while. So um, those are the two factors, finding the main events, like for future Rough and Rowdies, and hopefully getting into new states and things like that. All right, Dave, uh, thank you very much. April 13th, you have one final message for all the stoolies out there, all the boxing fans. Uh, don't have to be, even be a boxing fan, just a person that enjoys entertainment. What can we expect on April 13th uh, for Rough and Rowdy 3? I mean, I honestly believe it's the best four hours of entertainment right now that you can get. It's it's 40 fights. It's fifteen ninety nine, uh, so it's cheap. And it's comedy, it's chaos, it's reality TV. If you haven't seen it, I guarantee you'll buy Rough and Rowdy 4. Everyone rebuys it because it's worth it. It's nothing else quite like it, um, and it's, I think, the best thing we do right now. Dave Portnoy, thank you very much for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. I hope to have you on soon for the next installment of Rough and Rowdy. Good luck with the promotion, man. All right, thanks, man. Take care. All right. One of the crazier weeks in combat sports history this past week uh, in boxing, MMA, go through WrestleMania just happened. A lot of news and notes, and we're going to get it all for you right here with this week's In Case You Missed It. Uh, Floyd Mayweather made a lot of headlines this week. I just read on uh, Twitter that he was involved in some type of drive-by shooting, so hopefully he's okay with that. Um, but Mayweather says on the Showtime uh, card this past weekend that he is open talks with top rank about a, a uh, Javante Davis, Vasil Lomachenko showdown. And then Todd DeBuff, uh, top-ranked uh, vice president, I want to say, or vice president or some type, Todd DeBuff. We know what Todd DeBuff is. And he uh, went on Twitter and he confirmed the uh, confirmation from uh, Mayweather. So he confirmed the confirmation uh, that Mayweather has open talks with top rank about uh, Javante Davis Lomachenko. Uh, my thoughts on this is that I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, doing putting his promoter hat on and talking about a fight that we all want to see, but we just don't think that Javante Davis, uh, being 20 years old, is ready for the challenge that is uh, Vasil uh, Lomachenko. This is another bit of news that just came over the wire. Uh, Terrence Crawford taking on uh, Jeff Horn. This fight is going to be exclusively shown on ESPN+. Plus. Now, we've heard about ESPN+, Plus for months now. This is going to be their new uh, digital streaming service, $5 a month you're going to pay, and you're going to get uh, all sorts of sports. You're going to get MLB games. You're going to get NFL games. Uh, whatever sports rights that ESPN has, you're going to see some live events on there, including boxing. 
And this is interesting because uh, in addition to paying your normal cable bill, whatever you pay per month for ESPN and various other uh, channels, you're going to have to pay an additional $5 a month if you want to see high-powered matchups like a Jeff Horn going up against uh, Terrence Crawford. So uh, this is where the sport's going. I'm going to have a really, uh, I'm going to have a hot take for you coming up on our one of our newer segments that we're introducing here on the show about um, the streaming service. But uh, Terrence Crawford, Jeff Horn, exclusively on ESPN Plus. It's a five dollars. You're gonna have to ante up five dollars a month if you want to see uh, big fights on the the, the top rank uh, platform, ESPN platform. Uh, speaking of top rank, uh, we know that uh, Freddie Roach will not be in the corner of Manny Pacquiao for his fight against uh, Lucas Matisse. That one's set for July 9th in Malaysia. Uh, uh, the world tour continues for Manny Pacquiao. Uh, last time he saw him, he was he fought in Australia. Uh, against Jeff Horn. He's getting to that, that time in his career, and it's kind of a cautionary tale, kind of a little bit of a sad story here with uh, Manny Pacquiao. He's well past his prime. He's in just in it strictly for the money now. He's fighting uh, a tough Lucas Matisse, a fight that we wanted to see maybe five years ago, but we're going to see it now, and it's in Malaysia. And if that's a weird uh, country to hold a fight, yeah, it is, because uh, they added up the most money. Uh, they're going to drive up the revenue over there in Malaysia, and you're going to see you know, the world-famous uh, Manny Pacquiao taking on Lucas Matisse uh, on the other side of the world. And that one's going to air July 9th. It's going to be the same thing they did with the Australia fight. It's probably going to be during the day in Malaysia, and then we're going to get it live here on uh, on July 9th. Uh, but the big thing about this is Freddie Roach is not going to be in the corner. I mean, it was, a, it was not confirmed, but we saw a lot of headlines. Uh, you know, they have had their beef. Uh, he didn't feel like he was prepared for the Horn fight. You know, they're going back and forth, and it's kind of a sad thing to see the end of Freddie Roach and Manny Pacquiao, arguably one of the best duos in the history of boxing between a trainer and a boxer, taking him from, you know, 120-pound fighter straight up to, you know, 147 knockouts along the way and all the 24-7s. So hopefully, you know, this is they can mend their, their, uh, their friendship and their working relationship because uh, we know how much uh, Manny Pacquiao means to Freddie Roach and, and uh, vice versa. Uh, speaking of uh, fights in 147, Keith Thurman injures injures his hand. Uh, his fight is off for May. He didn't have an opponent. He knew he was going to be at the Barclays Center. Uh, this is a guy who hasn't fought since March 3rd of 2017 when he took on uh, Danny Garcia. And now, uh, uh, you know, we talked about him having to want to get, like, you know, a uh, step-back fight or a bounce-back fight, not going to be against a top-ten opponent. Uh, he's ducking Errol Spence. He's ducking this guy. He's ducking that guy. Shoulder surgery, getting married. You've heard it all now from Keith Thurman, and a lot of fans are getting frustrated, man. They're trying to call him Keith one time. Yeah, you fight one time a year. Or Keith sometime, they're calling him. And I'm a big fan of Keith Thurman. I like the, 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 the person, the man that is Keith Thurman, but it's coming harder and harder to uh, to defend this guy, he's got to get in the ring. He's got to stay active. We got to see a big uh, bounce back from him in the next couple of years because he has he has the belts at 147. He's holding him hostage, and we've seen in other sports like what Conor McGregor has done uh, with titles and holding him hostage by being inactive. I mean, Showtime has to step up. PBC has to step up. They have to tell him, listen, man, you know, get get your get everything in order here because you know you have two belts and we we have to defend them. And that brings us to our next story here on In Case You Missed It. Danny Garcia, Sean Porter. That fight's close to being ordered by the WBC. Uh, last time we saw Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, Sean Porter was running into the ring, very unshorten Porter-like, and challenging Danny Garcia. This fight makes sense for all the all the reasons. We're looking at the 147 division. It's There's a lot of moving parts. 
Obviously, Keith Thurman, like I just illustrated, has two belts. Errol Spence has a belt. And we just don't know. It's like four fighters. We know that Errol Spence is the best. But then if you go down below, Danny Garcia, the Sean Porters, the Keith Thurmans, they all uh, are relatively in the same skill set. Uh, you know, each has fought uh, common opponents. So I think that if the WBC does order Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, A, I think will be a really good fight. Very entertaining. Should it, you know, man, I can see that fight happening at the Barclays Center. B, the winner of it gives us a little more clarity in the 147 uh, picture here. We can potentially see the winner of that go up against Errol Spence. Uh, and then maybe the winner of that faces Keith Thurman when he's ready and healthy to go. So hopefully you get some clarification at 147 as Danny Garcia and Sean Porter's, Porter is being close uh, for uh, to be ordered here. Heavyweights, Joshua Parker. Got some numbers for you. Uh, it peaked at 583 viewers on that was on the replay. Uh, it only got 350 plus on the live uh, showing of that, but this is a tough one because it was going up against uh, March Madness, and it was also opening weekend of Major League Baseball. Five o'clock in the afternoon is a time that you're not accustomed to watching live boxing. Uh, but altogether, 848,000 viewers for Anthony Joshua Parker uh, in the U.S. That's a very good number. Uh, I know Showtime's happy with it, and uh, you know who, what's going to be next now. That's what's going to be next. That's all you want to talk about with Anthony Joshua. Is he going to take on uh, Deontay Wilder? I know Deontay Wilder, after the fight, uh, he took to Instagram and said that he fell asleep during the fight. Uh, he said it was, you know, if you have nothing bad to say, don't say anything at all. He had all the criticisms, and uh, but he did say that he would go to the U.K. to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. So they're all saying the right things. This is turning into like a Pacquiao Mayweather light here. Pacquiao Mayweather 2.0 with Anthony Joshua and... Uh, I mean, what, are we going to see this fight or not? I mean, it's getting to the point where I don't want to ask people to join the show anymore because it's just like we've heard every single reasoning. We've heard the lip service from Eddie Hearn. We've heard, you know, Ludabella clamoring for the fight. You know, Shelly Finkel. Go down the list. Al Heyman doesn't speak, but we hear that he wants the fight. So everyone is saying the right thing, but I'm going to be honest here. I think we'll see uh, Anthony Joshua fight Big Baby Miller late August at the Barclays Center. That's just my opinion here. But this is it. This is it. In case you missed it, we get you all caught up here on Inside Boxing Live. Moving on with the program. we got CBS Sports' Brian Campbell coming up next. But before we get to the Campbell interview, we've got to tell you about Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar located on 35th Street and 7th Avenue in New York City. Jack Doyle's is a great place to get a drink. Watch the big fights. I go there all the time. They have a great staff. It's a very big bar. You're not going to feel cramped. They got two floors. They got TVs everywhere. They got trivia night. It's the home of the West Virginia Mountaineers. It's a Minnesota Vikings bar. Not just that. They have all the, uh, the big baseball games as uh, baseball's getting in full swing. All the big fights, and they have a lot of after parties, private parties. Go check out Jack Doyle's uh, right there in the heart of uh, New York City. And with that, we're going to bring in the one and only CBS Sports uh, Brian Campbell calling us all the way uh, from WrestleMania, where he was last night. Brian, uh, how are you doing? And uh, you have a WrestleMania hangover right now. Oh, I, I'm hung. I'm hung well here right now. Hangover <laughs> indeed. Loving it. Let me just tell you, I don't know, this might be my fifth appearance on this show. I might either demand a stipend at this point or at least some kind of gold jacket. This might be a new record. It was Masters weekend, so it's like, what is it, uh, green jacket, gold jacket? Who gives a crap? You're on the show. Oh, yeah, Kenobio and Kenobio Incorporated. I feel like the sixth brother right now. This is great. You might have the record. Uh, I think we've had Wilder on twice. We had Lampley on twice. We had Dave Portnoy, uh, El Presidente of Barstool. He was on uh, with us today. So, yeah, I think you might be in the lead now as the number three. This is your third time on the show. 
uh, at least, at least third. But I'm loving it. Great to be on. Let, let's talk combat sports. That's why that's why I live my life here. Yeah, Brian Campbell is the host of In This Corner podcast. They cover uh, boxing, MMA, and wrestling. So if there's a fight, if there are fists being thrown, Brian Campbell is either tweeting about it, writing about it, or uh, you doing making a, just just making a living, loving his life. But uh, Saturday night, we saw Lara versus Heard on uh, Showtime, and this was a fight that got rolled out at that big Showtime uh, upfront event, and it was a fight that a lot of people had circled because it was a unification bout. It had all the storylines that you look for in a big fight, you know, the old grizzled veteran in Arizlandi Lara, the slick boxer, going against the young and hungry, the active uh, Jared Hurd, who looked like a like a, a middleweight in there against Lara, but a uh, big fight. Hurd ends up winning uh, in a split decision. Uh, what are your takeaways from uh, this bout here? Holy crap. Look, business picking up at 154, and that's a great thing because in the post, you know, Canelo, Cotto, Floyd era of junior middleweight, we hadn't really had a face. I think we have one now in Jared Hurd, and here's a guy who it's like we really didn't give him his due each step on the journey. We're like, okay, he's aggressive, he's powerful, he's fast, but, man, he's raw, didn't have a big amateur career, maybe a little green. He just keeps stepping up into situations where you expect him to fail and each time he plows forward, look, nobody does this to Arislandi Lara, right? The only person that did was Alfredo Angulo, and he suffered a fate for doing so that Lara thinks he ended Angulo's career more or less with the beating they ended up giving him. I don't know if this is a perfect storm of Lara getting a bit old and Hurd being a bit better than we thought, but it might be. It might be the perfect bridge in the middle of that. But what we saw was a possible fight of the year contender and a division now that is must-see. I-, I couldn't be more fired up about it. Yeah, because now Hurd moves on, and the immediate name is is Jamel Charlo. I know you're a huge Charlo guy. I'm a big Charlo guy. I think boxing uh, fans love the Charlo brothers. They think that's a fight we could potentially see because he has the WBC belt, and now we can see a real unification. Or for, or wow, all four titles on the line, and you know, no networks getting in the way. They both fight on Showtime. Talk about uh, Charlo Hurd down the road look that that's a fight that you're going to circle on your calendar hardcore fans are just going to be like i need to see that and we don't get enough of these type of fights right in boxing right. you know unbeaten versus unbeaten both guys we don't really know if they're a superstar we know they're pretty damn good but can they be great these are the type of fights we need both guys want to fight each other and really off the top of your head maybe you like one guy over the other but it's a hard fight to pick i didn't think we would get to this point i thought Arislandi lara would properly disarm jared hurt but he kept putting the pressure on, kept coming forward, and was able to get a close and deserved victory. And now you have a fight that's a slam dunk. I talked about wanting to find the face of this division. Now we can do so. There's a, still a fourth belt out there, of course, that Saddam Ali currently owns. But it feels like now, you know, Crawford unifying belts at 140 last year. The heavyweight picture coming together. It feels like now we are getting more opportunities than ever before for some of the hijinks and the alphabet crap that we hate about boxing to move out of the way and get some clarity within all these really good divisions man this is this is a feeling we're not used to but you know what we deserve this this is great to see yeah and you bring up a good point there where we're seeing more unification bouts and the 154 division was always a division that was like kind of in stuck in the middle literally you know it's in between welterweights which everyone loves and the middleweights which has been another prestigious uh uh weight class in, in boxing but uh we're talking about brian campbell right now he's calling us all the way from new orleans he was at wrestlemania last night and brian i'm gonna i'm gonna allot one wrestling question and it's gonna come at the end of this interview so i uh, hope you're ready 
Oh, come on. I got about an hour's worth of analysis to give you. If you want it to come in one question, that's your choice. I'll I have my one question. I have it ready, and I'm, I'm saving it for the end. But we'll talk some more boxing here with Brian Campbell. Big news in boxing. Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, meat saga, tainted meat, uh, all the jokes. You've seen the memes. You've seen everything. But the fight is off. Not happening. Canelo uh, steps out. He uh, says that, uh, you know, I remains that he's very much innocent. Uh, what do you make of the whole, the hearing and uh, that's coming up? And, and Canelo's, is his legacy, his reputation is in tatters right now because of uh, this clenbuterol test. Uh, well, his legacy, you know, what's to make of Canelo's legacy? And can he bounce back from something like this? It's hard to tell. If he can go the rest of his career, right, and still be a superstar, still test clean every time, put this behind him. If there was a chance he could actually put it behind him and it would just be a slight asterisk on his overall build. But let's not look past how damaging this is, right? And how kind of bizarre this whole scenario is because boxing finally stood up for itself. The Nevada Commission finally put its foot down and said, hey, Canelo, we don't care if you did this on purpose or not. You failed two tests. That's an anti-doping violation. You are out of this fight. We almost never see that, especially with the Nevada Commission. And I think the reason why we don't see that is usually the B side in these fights is more than happy to see the fight continue, like all of us fans and critics and everyone else, to see business go forward and to see the money change hands and entertainment happen. And we saw Gennady Golovkin, the B side in this fight, not let the story go, not be willing to just join the WBC and WBA and say, hey, look, I trust Canelo. That's fine. He kept pushing. He made headlines. I think that back Nevada in a quarter, in a corner, and I think it leaves us standing in a weird spot. On one hand, we have to praise boxing for finally getting something right. On the other hand, we really wanted this fight for May 5th, and there doesn't seem like there's a viable replacement for Triple H to get us excited about. So I'm sort of in that in-between between morality and entertainment, where boxing always seems to hang you right in the middle of that in this sport that's twisted and broken, but we love it so much. This was this is a chance where boxing did get it right, but I still feel kind of wronged. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a real catch-22 because you want integrity of the sport. You want these fighters to be clean. Uh, you don't want these negative headlines that we're seeing all the time here on ESPN and, and, and CBS and, you know, go to Bleach Report, go down the line. It's, it's, it's Canelo uh, fails a drug test. But then, you know, you want to see the fight. We're fight fans. May 5th, we're accustomed to seeing a big fight on Cinco de Mayo weekend going back uh, to the Mayweather era. But now uh, Triple G is, says he's going to move on. We put out a text. Uh, we sent the text to Tom Laughlin, and he says that he's still working on a May 5th opponent. We know it's not going to be uh, Spike O'Sullivan. We know it's not going to be Mungia. We know, uh, we know that uh, BJ Saunders' hand is not going to be uh, healed in time. What's going to be next for Triple G? Do you see him potentially moving off that May 5th? Do you see him taking a May 5th fight with a lesser opponent? What do you make of uh, who uh, Triple G's next opponent will be? I know he likes to keep busy, but I think at this point he should move off of that date. Because if you can't bring a viable dance partner to the May 5th dance, then don't show up, brother. And I don't mean to be rude in this, but I want to kind of throw HBO under the bus in this situation. The Canelo test, when he popped dirty the first time, it gave HBO and, and Triple G, to be honest, enough time to begin the backup plan, right? To begin the, okay, if this falls apart, what are we going to do? And HBO, in your laps, you had a viable backup in Danny Jacobs who's fighting Saturday, April 28th, in a card on HBO in New York that not a lot of people are excited about against an opponent who many people have never heard of. I, th I, I know it's not just easy financially to just snap your fingers and make things happen, but Triple G, Danny Jacobs 2, a rematch of that really good fight last March, that could have been a very viable replacement that would have been fine as a pay-per-view, that would have been accepted as a pay-per-view, and I think now that Triple G's more or less scrambling for opponents, and now you see the Nevada Commission step in and say, no, we're not going to prove this guy, right? right? By the way, that's the same Nevada Commission 
that approved Conor McGregor to fight Floyd Mayweather, just so you know. But still, I think if you're HBO and Triple G, you had enough time to see this coming. I don't care if it takes emptying the pocket a little bit more to get Saunders to run in or to, or to work this thing better with Jacobs. You, you have to make that May 5th date matter, and neither seem to be doing enough to do so. Yeah, they were in a tricky situation. They wanted to wait this out because they knew you know, what was going to bring their schedule, and it's a schedule that doesn't have many fights on it uh, right now or, or for the foreseeable future. So HBO was in a very tough spot having to uh, you know, kind of see out their, their, their main star in Canelo and make sure that everything was all you know said and done. But now we don't know. We have no idea who Triple G is going to fight on May 5th. Uh, and I here's mean, the problem, Dan. The problem is HBO, from, from all reports, doesn't seem to have the budget to do anything but a pay-per-view for Triple G on May 5th. Yeah, so you can't do Triple G Mungia as a pay-per-view. No. It's just not going to move. Yeah, and Triple G, and we just, we just don't know. We don't, have no idea what fight's going to be coming up for him, but I do want to see Triple G versus Saunders. What makes most sense now is we, we can all agree that May 5th seems like it's less less likely to happen. How about June, middle of June, yes. late June, we see Madison Square Garden, uh, Triple G, BJ Saunders, all four titles on the line. Uh, you know, BJ Saunders has been on this show before. He says that Triple G is public enemy number one for me. We know that he wants that fight. Right now, he can, you know, he has the Martin Murray fight that's postponed. He can easily scrap that. You know, that's a fight that really would get the boxing fans going. Hey, look, we want unification. That's what Triple G always says. He respects box. He wants all the belts. <laughs> that's a fight you got to do. And look, if you got to go to Wales or London or whatever you have to do, do it. That's, that's a critical fight to get all the belts, and that would also, by the way, be the fight that would tie Bernard Hopkins' middleweight record of 20 title defenses. So wouldn't you rather Triple D do that to unify all four belts, which seems to have been his plan all along, than do that against somebody, again, you have never heard of? Yes, I want it. Uh, I know you want it. Boxing fans want it, so uh, maybe we have to send another text message to Tom Lawford. I know he he's definitely on the case, but upcoming – uh, boxing schedule. We've got a triple header at Barclays on April 21st. Javante Davis, uh, Adrian Broner going up against Jesse Vargas. Uh, Jamal Charlo, another 160-pounder there with a, with a belt, going up against uh, Centeno. Which fight on this card do you think will steal the show, Brian Campbell? I, I love this card. This is a sneaky good card with three fights I want to see. In terms of stealing the show, it could be interesting, right? Because it could easily be that Tank Davis-Cuellar fight because Jesus Cuellar brings the fire. And for everything that we love about Gervonta Davis's ability and potential to be next, he really didn't look good in that showcase fight on the Maymac undercard, right? No. Miss Sweet. Yeah. He's got some answers. And when you're going in there against a viable slugger, that could be fun. But I think the one fight which could just bring the most explosion is that Charlo Centeno fight because the Charlos are just on fire right now. Dan, you did not see this coming three years ago that both brothers would, let's say, you know, grow into their full bodies right. and evolve into such dynamic power punching fighters who are vicious in the ring and go for the finish. And there's also sort of that bit of trash talking going on between Tank Davis and Charlo. I know they're in separate weight classes. I don't expect that they're going to brawl in the tunnel or pull a Conor McGregor and crash somebody's van. But I'm just saying there's the, there's an energy to this car that I really want to see any of the three bouts could, could entertain because let's see, you could hate AB all you want. But the guy brings ratings. The guy brings excitement. Yeah, it's a, it's it's got. I love how Showtime does the triple headers. They stack the cards. They the the fans show up at the Barclays Center. So I'm expecting a, a crazy night uh, over in Brooklyn. What do you make of this Javante Davis potentially uh, going against Lomachenko? Uh, Floyd Mayweather made a lot of news this weekend for various things. We'll try to touch on it quickly uh, in a little bit. But Javante Davis Lomachenko. Do you really think that's something that can happen, or is this more Mayweather lip service? Lip service, bro. Mayweather is the master marketer manipulator. 
I don't believe he wants Javante anywhere near Lomachenko. I think this is just constant strategic, put the right headline in at the right time, just like our good buddy Eddie Hearn, right? Suddenly after Wilder knocks out Ortiz, what does he say? He says, oh, we want to make that fight next, right? No, he does not want to make that fight next. But he timed when he made those headlines. Floyd is just doing the same thing. Yeah, so what about, we bring up Mayweather and, uh, of course, like I said, made a ton of headlines this weekend. Either he's getting shot at. That's the latest thing. Was He was involved in some type of uh, drive-by shooting in Atlanta. Uh, he goes on um, on the Showtime telecast and says that, yeah, I might come back uh, to, the, to combat sports, but it's not going to be boxing. It's going to be the UFC. And he's flirted with this for a while now with the Instagram videos and the tweets and you know, the trash talking with Conor McGregor. In your humble opinion, Brian Campbell, will you see? Well, are we going to see Floyd Mayweather step into an octagon in 2018? In a traditional fight, absolutely not. For all the reasons that, that we wouldn't see a 41-year-old retired boxer try to make his who, – who's controlled his legacy so perfectly try to make an MMA debut. When, did they have plans or do they still hope to have plans for some form of carnival mixed rules bout that ultimately would amount to a Floyd McGregor boxing rematch inside an octagon with slightly altered rules and, and lighter forearm scuffs? Maybe. Maybe that's the plan. And I only say maybe in this spot because UFC is so lustfully desperate for pay-per-view buys at this point that they would even, you know, uh, bastardize, if you will, if I can say that word on this program, their own brand, to just try to do whatever it takes to move product. So could that have happened? Maybe. But look, Floyd's not going to take a regular MMA bout. If anything, he's trying to make the headlines constantly to promote whatever his next plans are. There are rumors out there that he wants to promote MMA fighters and manage MMA fighters. So it would make sense that he's constantly showing up right when the TMZ cameras are there and saying, hey, look, I'm going to go train with Tyron Woodley, the UFC welterweight champion, who doesn't get enough respect that he deserves. Maybe there's some sort of tie in there. But like I said, the only thing I would believe is a Mayweather mixed rules bout, which, by the way, would set back the full sports worse than any kind of you know carnival boxing match last summer did yeah mix i don't see the lore of that it, it, i mean ufc's in enough trouble with their fans and, and trying to keep the integrity of that sport uh we'll get into that with, with mcgregor i mean i was at the ufc event on uh, on saturday the barclays it's my first time at a ufc fight in like 10 years but uh it was awesome uh special shout out to ufc for the tickets it was a great time uh there was uh, a lot of big fights the energy in the crowd is it's so much different than boxing uh i mean boxing has its own great crowds but it was it was a little more of like they were into like into it from the beginning uh the crowd was full at like 9 30 for like the undercard fights yes. and something you don't never see in boxing but uh the big thing in that was mcgregor i mean he has fought in boxing so i will ask you this question about uh conor mcgregor and we all saw what he did uh with the buses and, and attacking that and is he, is he gonna serve some type of uh suspension or are we gonna see mcgregor out of action for any lengthy bit of time that like you know that isn't his own choice i think he deserves to be out of action i personally believe he deserves to be suspended for at least a year the same suspension john jones got from that felony hit and run arrest in 2015 when the ufc stripped his title and kept him out for a full year due to disciplinary reasons i think that's what ufc should do because dan they are lucky Last Thursday, they avoided basically the equivalent to like the palace brawl in the NBA from a decade ago. This could have been disastrous. Throwing an object through the window, nearly hitting the head of your main event and co-main event fighters for the card that you're trying to promote that week. I mean, obviously somebody could have died. That could have been the worst thing. But even worse, you're seeing dueling camps, McGuire, I'm sorry, McGregor and Magomedov escalating a beef back and forth that's almost becoming like, you know, who's going to take it the next step and actually really hurt somebody outside of a cage? But I think when you read Dana White's quotes and you hear him, and let's be really honest, 
the truth and Dana White are no longer friends. He switches this story constantly. After McGregor did this, Dana White said this is the most despicable moment in UFC history. But what did he say Saturday night after the buzz for a possible Conor Habib fight started to heat up? He said, I've seen a lot worse things in other sports. If a dolly going through the window is the worst thing that happens, I can be fine with that. You know what that tells me, Dan? We're going to see Conor McGregor against Habib Nurmagomedov like later this year, right? That's what that, that's what that tells me. Certainly, Conor will get some form of punishment, but this really, again, questions the integrity of the UFC because this was a moment that could have produced the kind of negative headlines that you just can't get away from. And if they just let Conor come back with a very little slap on the wrist, it shows they have no control over their biggest fighter, which they hadn't had any control, by the way, allowing him to hijack two different divisions and never defend a title. <laughs> but they certainly have no backbone if they just let him come back in September or November or November at MSG and fight Habib. That doesn't that doesn't move well for me. Yeah, I've read your article on, on CBSSports.com uh, you know, where you brought up that one-year suspension. And if he doesn't get suspended for a year, if he doesn't get disciplinary, he's going he's to feel it in his wallet because uh, – you know, a lot of these fighters are, are filing lawsuits, and he's in a serious amount of trouble here. But we're wrapping up our interview here with uh, Brian Campbell. He's kind enough to join us from WrestleMania, New Orleans. You're out there all week. I've been following you on Twitter. You're having a great time. I saw you with uh, my boy Rosenberg. Uh, you're all over the place. And last night, hey, you did, you my, did you peep my picture on Bourbon Street with, with Miguel Cotto's buddy, Brian Perez? Yeah, I How saw that? that. Yeah, you saw a few boxing guys hanging out in the WrestleMania. What was he doing there? He, he took his wife to WrestleMania, so it was it was cool to run into him. But he certainly gave me the like like Why do you know me? Why are we taking this picture? Look, but hey, I told him just just do the fist and smile, and the, and Twitter will love it. Yeah, and they did. Uh, so last night, my here it is. My one WrestleMania question for Brian Campbell: the fight that the fight. So would you call it a fight or a match? That's the first. It's thing. a match. Ma it's a match. I, see, I always keep calling it fights. So the first the match that I wanted to watch, I was most interested in, was the Ronda Rousey mixed tag Ronda Rousey Kurt Angle versus Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. And, man, did this thing deliver. I mean, I didn't want it to end. The fight, uh, the match was awesome. Uh, Rousey looked great. She had, uh, she was throwing uh, the arm bars around. It was perfectly booked. And that's the right phrase, too, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Perfectly booked. Perfectly Look, booked. And I just wanted more. Like, I wanted more. And I was, like, so accustomed to hearing fight, uh, fighters speak after their, their matches. I was hoping that, you know, we'd get, like, a Joe Rogan in the cage or in the <laughs> ring talking around to Rousey. Like, I felt I wanted more. Like, I wanted to see more of that match. What was your biggest takeaway uh, from this Rousey debut? Look, every WrestleMania, Dan, has one moment, one match that becomes sort of the poster for that event in your mind when you look back, right? WrestleMania three, Hogan slamming Andre, just as an example. Yeah. Rousey was that for this, and I think this match so over-exceeded expectations because it was so brilliantly booked, like you said. The psychology was so just old-school and classic, right, of the of the bad guys drawing heat, eventually Ronda getting that hot tag and coming in to give revenge. But I never would have guessed this would have been the longest car, longest bout on this entire seven-hour card, and I never would have guessed that Rousey would have been that polished, that intense, her timing that perfect. One thing you do have to remember, though, they set her up to succeed in every possible way in this match, putting three experts around her yeah. and the other three that were in this match. They presented her as a true star. You wonder when she continues now a singles career, whether her matches will have that same impact. But that that's for another day. For a debut, this was as good or better than it gets. Rousey was an absolute star on Sunday night. And like you, I wanted more. Every time I thought the match was going to end, I would have been fine with it. But every time they had another swerve to keep it going, I'm like, look, this is what it's all about on the larger stage. This is brilliant stuff. 
and it kind of felt old school too in the way they put it together. It was a home run all the way. That was awesome. Ronda Rousey making her debut in front of Dana White, who was uh, who was ringside cheering her on. So it was an awesome event. Uh, WrestleMania was great, and we can catch more of your work. I know you're going to be appearing on multiple CBS platforms today talking about WrestleMania. You're going to be at Raw tonight. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see you at the next uh, big boxing match. So, Brian, uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on Inside Boxing Live, and hope to see you soon, man. Great stuff. Thanks so much. We always try to keep things fresh here at Inside Boxing Live. We've had Twitter hitter segment for a while. I'm scrapping it for the for the time being, and I'm going to introduce a new segment here. It's called Tough Takes, and uh, it's going to be with my producer slash brother slash engineer slash everything. There he is, Nick Canobio. Nick, introduce yourself to everybody. I'm Nick. <laughs> here he is. I'm doing everything here. I'm trying to uh, get the levels of the uh, audio and uh, the, getting the cameras. And do I look at you? Do I look at the camera? I'm very confused here. Look at the camera, even though I'm right next, pretty close to you. Uh, so what we want to do here, we want to bring out, everyone has, has opinions. Everyone has, uh, I know everything about boxing. So many experts out there on Twitter. So we have our takes too. So uh, we're going to introduce some tough takes here. And uh, I'll start it off here. I have a tough take here, Nick. Mexican taco stands. Canelo, we all know Canelo with the with the Mexican beef and um, you know blaming everything on the beef in Mexico. It's all you heard for the last three weeks. He's decimated the the meat industry in Mexico, especially those who own taco stands. I mean, let's be honest here. What what kind of industry is is Mexican meat anyway? I mean, come on, these they, what do you mean with taco? That's what they live off of. It. I've been to Mexico. I went there on my honeymoon, and uh, did you stay away from the meat? We stayed on the campus of the, you know, of the resort and stuck to the meat that they had there. I would not go street meat and tacos meat stand. Yeah, but apparently Canelo Alvarez, world-class boxer, goes to the taco stands. And we had Jim Lampley on the show last week, and he said, a friend of mine said, uh, what's the big deal? Canelo went to a taco stand and had some meat. So all and all you hear is if you own a taco stand in Mexico, if you own a cattle ranch in Mexico, you're getting thrown under the bus right now by your countrymen. Canelo Alvarez. Isn't his trainer his uh, his butcher? Yes, that's another wrinkle here. That's another take. How about you, uh, you, your brother? So not his brother. You're my brother. The the trainer slash butcher come up with some better meat here. Yeah, bring some meat in from the U.S. Something something's up with that. Here, what do you got for us, Nick? Uh, it's a I don't know a medium or mild take, but uh, you know the, the the refs taking pictures after fights. <laughs> no, I know I know you, you get the hand raised and you do it uh, you know after the the decision's made right away, but when you start going around corner to corner, Jack Reese, Jack Reese, you know the the famous Jack Reese, everyone's who, favorite ref. Yeah, he not makes, named Steve Willis. He makes it known that he he's the ref and he 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 wants to be right in the middle, even when he doesn't have to be right when there's like a headbutt he'll go he'll go over to all the judges headbutt right here in his head bleeding headbutt they clashed heads headbutt well the infamous one was when he recommended fining the fighter because of too many i don't know if it was low blows this was like when he first got popular jack reese yeah yeah but anyway, he, he went around this, this past weekend. I, I don't know what card it was, but he it was went the Estrellas up, fight. The Estrellas, they, yeah. yeah. At the Belescos Theater. So a lot we could talk about the Estrellas fights. But uh, he went around and, and, you know, he raised everyone's hand corner to corner. And it's just like, can you imagine Ed Hockley going around and, and uh, raising hands with, with Tom Brady after a touchdown? It, it's, uh, or after a, a win? Yeah. Like going to the 50-yard line and, and, then, and then raising their hands. And, uh, it's a good take. Know, but uh, it reminds me of like the t- another take in sports is how come uh, how come baseball managers are the only ones that wear uniforms? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that that that's very strange. Can you imagine Jeff Van Gundy wearing the Knicks uniform? <laughs> no, can't. Here's my next take here, and this is like a you talk mild hot takes, and we're gonna work on this name. Right now it's tough takes, but here's a very steamingly hot take here. We talked about that top rank deal and how top rank is now uh, in ESPN are now streaming fights exclusively on the ESPN Plus app. Uh, but whether it's Crawford versus Horn is gonna be their first big one. All fights are gonna be streamed in two years. Yeah. That's Showtime. A hot take. HBO, they're all gonna have a streaming thing. No fights will no longer, maybe not two years, but fights will no longer be on on cable TV. You'll only get them on a sh- on like a full service streaming thing. Yeah, I think that's the way of the future. I mean, I'm a big tech guy, so uh, I see the writings on the wall with with everything with TV now. I mean, we smart TVs, you turn it on and it's just apps. Yeah, look at you can choose apps. So yeah. It's this. That's the way it's going to be, and you know, you almost have to forget about the older generation. You know, tough to say that, but you have to forget about them and and think about They'll figure it out. The younger people, and you know, streaming is the way of the future, and that's just that's just how it's going to be. Look at baseball with, with Facebook. Yeah, I mean, UFC has the Fight Pass. WWE has the WWE Network. Now, uh, ESPN and Top Rank are are trying to do that. With uh, Nick, you're texting during the second. Uh, I'm just letting you're on camera. People know that not not to come in the studio while yeah. we're filming. I got another our take feel. Or do you have a take now? How does this work? Uh, do you want one? No, I, I, ha- I had my Mexican meat take. I had uh, all fights to be streamed in two years. <clears throat> yeah. So the, the my my last take, I, I would say it's more of a mild, very low mild take. But there's this new phrase in boxing called. Styles make fights. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Wow, styles make fights. Did you come up with that on your own? I did. I I came up with that phrase. Wow, uh, patent that. I did. I should. I look into that. Uh, But um, Erislandi Lara. Heard of him? Yeah. He fought a very good fight this past weekend. Yeah. Against Jared uh, Hurd. You know, people weren't leaving the arena like they were against his... Uh, the previous fight against that guy Gausha. Oof, that was a brutal one. Booing and yeah. and literally leaving before the the decision was made. So, uh, you know, there's a reason why that that phrase is is in the sport. And look at that, it's the same guy. You know, he didn't really have to do anything different, but he, uh, you know, he he's matched up against a better opponent that more more matches his style and yeah. had a good fight. Yeah, that's what we said on paper. This one has everything you wanted to see in that fight. You had uh, Lara, a guy that you know is usually shifty and uh, likes to make guys miss, and you put up put him up against a guy like uh, Hurd, who has the same style as Angulo, who also fought Lara. Uh, that was was uh, fireworks in that Angulo uh, Lara fight. So you know Hurd brought the the pain to him, and you're right, styles do make fights. I don't know if that's like a smoldering hot take but that's a it's a pretty good one it's a work in progress yeah so there it is so there it is tough takes we're gonna be doing this every week now here on inside boxing live if you have any takes you want to share with us go to uh copybox twitter use the hashtag tough takes and let them fly there was some tough takes we're gonna be doing that segment a lot more here on inside boxing live but that brings us to the end of the program it was a very good show today uh, special thanks to dave portnoy of barstool sports and brian campbell of cbs i did text michael rapaport after dave portnoy had some uh, some words for him and i said would you like to come on the show to discuss this uh, rapaport uh i said that portnoy said that you don't want to fight him rapaport says you really believe that have you seen him up close so meaning like he's a shorter guy and I said, you want to come on the podcast to discuss? He says, not. I don't want to talk about that guy. When I see him in person, we'll see what he's about. So, wow. Some tough words from Michael Rappaport as that saga rolls on. But special thanks to uh, Portnoy, 
uh, for joining us here. And Brian Campbell, it was a great show. Uh, before we go, we do the good hook of the week. We haven't done it uh, in a few weeks, but uh, I don't know if you saw this story. Brian Custer, he is the uh, Showtime Sports uh, broadcaster, and uh, he anchors the, the show from the beginning and the middle and the end. Uh, he's up there on the stage. Uh, great guy. Got to work with him over the years and uh, awesome dude. And uh, he just revealed uh, his fight with prostate cancer that back in 2013, a long battle that he's still uh, getting treatment for. And if you haven't seen this, go check out the article on uh, ring.com or on the ring website. It was a very long piece about uh, his battle with it. And when it does, it, it just raises awareness uh, for prostate cancer, something that affects a lot of men out there. I know a lot of guys listen to the show and love the sport of boxing. So if you're over the age of 40, go get tested. And, uh, and, and uh, shout out to Brian Custer. A uh, great guy for sharing his story with him, and we look forward to working with him more uh, in the future. But uh, great show here. we got a lot to get to. We're going to see what happens with Canelo and, and Triple G. You know, Canelo thinks he's speaking to the media tomorrow or something. But, uh, you know, Triple G, we're going to see who's in the fight. We're gonna, he said he wants to fight May 5th. So uh, one way or another, Triple G is going to get into that ring on May 5th, whether it's against uh, Spike O'Sullivan or maybe it doesn't happen on May 5th. I, we heard what we wanted. We talked about it with Brian Campbell. I want to see uh, Gennady Golovkin, Billy Joe Saunders, Madison Square Garden in the summer where boxing really heats up. Uh, that's what I want to see. But uh, big-time boxing coming up here. we got uh, Barclays Center, uh, back-to-back weekends heading into the summer. Big things happening here on Inside Boxing. A special thanks to my producer, Nick Canobio, our guest, the executive producer of the Big Kahuna, Bob Canobio. I'm Dan Canobio, signing off here from Inside Boxing Live.